Hello and welcome to what we've learned. Welcome to the new year, but welcome to the end of series two. As ever, I'm joined by Shane. Hello, Shane, and happy new year to you. Happy new year to you too, Steve. Thank you very much. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about the year just gone, but let's just talk to you, dear listeners, about the end of this series and what we wanted to do as a one-off special. We've hit 2021. Can you believe it? We've made it through 2020. Um, unless we've all woken up and it was that scene, Shane, that you and I and the younger viewers will remember as Bobby Ewing's um, shower scene in, Dynast uh, in Dallas, not Dynasty, uh, where we all woke up and realised it was just a dream. We probably are dealing with, maybe with a slightly sore head, the consequences of 2020 and onwards, friends. But before we move onwards, we thought it might be a nice idea to go back to talk to some of the brilliant guests we've had over the two series that we ran in 2020. And by the way, we'll be back for series three at some point this year, uh, but we wanted to go back and get their thoughts. So we asked them, given it's the turn of the year, a number of questions that we're going to lead you through today, just to get their further thoughts from their great minds on what are they looking at? What have they learned? And as the title of the podcast suggests, what have they learned uh, in 2020 that may lead them into positivity and the future? So. That's the area, that's the setup. Shane, that sounds about right, doesn't it? That sounds a good thing to do on early January 2020. One? It certainly does, especially with them. Um, for those who've got a classical education, knowing that Janus was the Roman god who had two faces, one looking backwards and one looking forwards. So um, the lessons learned from the past and looking forwards to lessons to be applied to the future. Yes, I like it. So there we are. One minute 50 into the podcast already, Shane. Two elements of ancient history. Mine from Dallas, yours slightly more classical, but both hopefully helpful. So, um, well, maybe we can start, Shane, perhaps with that first question that we posed. And not only to our guests, we may even give ourselves the indulgence, uh, dear listener, of Shane and I's thoughts for the year ahead as well. Uh, but before we get to the year ahead, the first question in order today is the biggest learnings from 2020. So Shane, talk to us about what we were trying to get from this and, and some thoughts from our friends as well as from yourself. Well, I think one of the things we got right, Steve, reflecting was that the title of the podcast is what we've learned because for me more than anything, um, the last year has been a year of learning. And that's a theme that came through from many of our guests. I think for me personally, it was both the breadth of the learning and the pace of the learning. Um, and I think that is really heartening, actually. And it's something I personally enjoyed the most. But it's also something that Lawrence Mitchell uh, commented on. And he said, really interesting comment that what he's learned is that when adversity strikes, you've got a choice. Mm. You can either spend energy lamenting what has happened and feel sorry for yourself or you can invest that energy in finding a solution by understanding the current customer context finding partners with shared values and creating value to have a positive impact on people i chose the latter and got to work reminding myself regularly of this great quote from the i ching and the quote is that lawrence uh, shares with us before the beginning of great brilliance there must be chaos. Fabulous quote, Steve. Fabulous quote. Yes, it, it's, it, in a microcosm, it was before there was Zoom, there was Skype. In terms of we need to go through the, the, the disorder. It's a really interesting quote. And actually, as you say, it, 
in terms of the, the learnings, we're always learning, always be learning is, is definitely the mantra, but the, the, the in, I think it's fair for anyone that's reflecting on the year to look back and say, well, actually there were times of absolute chaos. Um, and I would agree, I think that when you've got that chaos and, and the, the order that comes from it, you suddenly do start to not only get back to where you were, but perhaps as we've seen, Shane, you, you move on, you go past where you were, you can really progress. Uh, as I said, you know, who would have thought that the world uh, just as we've learned from last month, the number of virtual Zoom based Christmas parties or virtual quizzes or virtual whatever you may have a, a year ago, the back end of 2019, 20 would have never have thought that that would have been the way that we now operate. So we've had that fracture and that chaos that's then delivered that positive impact, as Lawrence says, it's really, really correct, really well observed. Indeed, and I have to say one of my highlights of the Christmas celebration period was the Zoom family wine tasting. I won't go quite much detail into chaos that it descended, but uh, great fun was had by all. Yes, indeed. And we won't talk about the fact that you shouldn't spill wine on keyboards when doing such wine tastings, is all I'm going to say. Anyway, oh, good. So that's a nice way to kick off with, with Lawrence. Who else have we got? What, which other guests? And Lawrence was Series 2, Episode 2, Shane, if my memory doesn't fail me. Who else have we got from perhaps a bit further back? Series 1, anybody? So Scott Stockwell, um, who, again, I think was one of our most listened to podcasts because Scott's always got amazing stuff to share with us. And I learn a lot from mm. his uh, breadth of experience and wise words. But his biggest learning that he wanted to share was building on that theme, really, that necessity isn't just the mother invention. It's the accelerator of strategy. In our 2020 world, many of the things that were future plans and thoughts became immediate needs. Virtual working, commercial transactional websites, rapid internal, external organizational collaboration, personal skills development, a lot of things that were twinkles in the eye became immediate and pressing needs to meet. A lovely turn of phrase there. And mm. I think for me that what really resonated there was that some of the things that we've all known needed to be done there have been many reasons that have been given for not doing them and that was swept away and I think that positivity back to what you said at the start Steve for me was the most valuable thing you saw just big decisions being made quickly significant changes and for me the prediction going forwards is that will continue particularly in the world that you and I are heavily involved in in B2B marketing, e-commerce to mm. me is yeah, the Yeah, this is something trend. you've been absolutely been banging on, Shane, rightly, is you see this as a real opportunity, don't you? Absolutely. I think that for too long, we've had, you know, well, it's always been done that way. We've got large sales team. We need to meet people. That's been shown not to be true. Uh, and it's also we all know the world's changed and Amazon One Click's been around and you'll probably tell us exactly how long, Steve. I don't know. I can't remember. But that's what we all want. So why can't we have that to buy, um, you know, a million pound oil rig um, as well as a book? Yeah, I can't give you the exact answer to One Click without Googling it, Shane, which feels very remiss given the way that you can just relay off uh, months of the year and their origin. However, th what it links to is something I've banged on about for a long time, which is this the Amazon effect. Uh, it's what I would call it, and I'm sure it's not me, just me, is the I, I think there's been for a very long time in lots of industries, the 
the pressure of benchmark on how well, how easy, how convenient um, Amazon is to use and familiarity as well. And I think organizations in many markets have been lazy. So I think, well, we don't need to change. Absolutely Scott's point. And I was on a call with um, a head of sales and marketing operations at a big pharmaceutical company a couple of weeks back. And, and he said that he thinks COVID has accelerated their digital transformation by a decade. Six months, seven months has given them a decade of progress. And those perhaps more Luddite amongst that weren't willing to change, not just in marketing, sales as well, and other parts of the business have been forced to. Uh, and if you take your point with e-commerce, you know, there's a necessity to do it, but there's also an opportunity. And the Amazon effect for me is just learn, benchmark from brands like that, that are much larger. And the people that want to buy that million pound thing or that five euro thing, whatever it may be, um, if it feels a bit like Amazon, there's a familiarity to it. It makes it easy. So yeah, absolutely agree with you, Shane. I think that's been a an opportunity that's been uh, missed for a long time. And maybe this is the year and indeed the rest of the decade that we, we start to see B2B take e-commerce a lot more seriously. And I, I agree. And I think that the other thing is that the platforms are there. And I one of the things that struck me was how quickly um, PPE was available on eBay from very traditional B2B suppliers who suddenly realised they had a new market. Mm. And that was that that creative thinking I've seen in so many businesses taking a problem and going, oh, well, actually, there's, although it's really difficult, there's a new market here for us, or there's a new way of solving that problem. And I think thinking about e-commerce is not, it's not even having to, right, we've got to build the website to take the payment. There are other options out there um, that can be explored. Yeah. And funny enough, actually, I think that links to my biggest learning from 2020 case you're asking uh, is around you know just the positivity of of 2020 it has been and will be for a very long time a year that you know the history books look back as a very difficult time for sure but to, to that point and to, to um, Lawrence's quote from I Ching around the the idea that there is chaos but there can be brilliance and there can be opportunity and, and e-commerce is a good example Shane that suddenly you know a, a, a niche local b2b or indeed b2c it doesn't really matter player can suddenly have the whole world i mean we know this from you see your amazon marketplaces and your ebay power sellers that have suddenly opened up the world to them but i think for business to business it's a real opportunity um and i, I also by the way with e-commerce shane i don't think it has to be about just transact transacting in the way that we do as consumers with the web I learned this many years ago working client side in B2B with e-commerce is that you can you can use the power of the web to get a lot of the legwork done and indeed to help salespeople. So we found real success with using e-commerce as a, a quotation system. So the order still may be placed back then face to face and, and maybe it will be again in 2021 or it could be over the phone. But you could use the website just to be clever at the bit that is quite onerous so don't see that people need to flip a credit card for e-commerce to be successful passing a po number through via email on the back of using e-commerce as part of the journey is still a very very sensible exercise and a very rewarding one i completely agree and i think there's so much that can be done with some of the new tools the web personalization tools about making it easy to find things when you land on someone's website if it's a B2B website, and you've got 1,600 products, not always easy to navigate your way through. But now with the sort of ABM tools that we have that can customise those products to different verticals, it's just becoming better. Um, mm. and better and more some, relevant. 
absolutely that relevance. And that's something that, in fact, Sam Hill, um, Director of Customer Experience at Infinity, picked up Sam Hill, up on. Series 2, Episode 9, Shane. Oh, just love the way you reel off the data. <laughs> he says, <laughs> looking at the screen of all the episodes. <laughs> And, and he said, you know, I think this is a reminder it, it, for all of us. It's not just the technology, but it's the way we're thinking, to your point, about how we apply it mm. um, and making sure we apply it, whether this is internally. And to quote him directly, this can be applied broadly from internal, i.e. to a colleague, to external, i.e. customer interactions. What we've got to remember is, in his words, you are accountable for delivering value, not the recipient. Mm. Never assume value is being realised. And if it isn't, take the responsibility for ensuring it is. I think that goes directly to your point about, you know, just make it easier. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, the, I mean, to, to, and we'll talk about books, I'm sure, as we always do on this on these episodes. But that Steve Krug's book from 2004, I still end up referring to now, which is around usability called Don't Make Me Think. And on the inside cover, in fact, I'm staring at it, Shane, on my bookcase as we talk. Um, on the inside cover, I know there is a picture of his wife in a field. And there's a very simple kind of speech bubble above it that says, if something's easy to do, I do it more often. It, it, that absolutely encapsulates what the opportunity is with digital. Forget e-commerce, uh, uh, not just digital, it's communication is make it easy and, and they will come, I guess, is that to paraphrase Kevin, Kevin Costner's field of dreams. In <laughs> uh, but I, it's true. I mean, I, I reflect on, on what I what I do and what I prioritise. It's the things that are easier and also the things that I enjoy doing. And there's mm. a, often a, a strong parallel between the two, the more difficult, the hard they're at the bottom of the list well, but that's an interesting point isn't it because 2020 has forced us to have to think about tackling things that are quite hard to your point of change and from that conversation uh with that big pharmaceutical brand is that as an organization they're probably a bit lazy they didn't really want to embrace or, or force change because often people don't like it but they've ha we've had to wrestle with some demons this year gone to make sure that we, we survive and indeed thrive in some cases I think that's a point that, that Ian uh, Hughes picked up on as well. It's been Series 2, episode 1. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop doing this soon, Shane. Don't worry. No, because people can play bingo. Can they, can they get there before you? <laughs> I and, hope they don't play bingo on what we say. My goodness. And it's this, it's, we've talked about, you know, corporate developments, strategic change, you know, out of being forced to. But I think it's also... A theme that's come through from everybody, and Ian Hughes really made this point very well, and you can remind me of the quote in a minute, um, which is that it's about our own personal development, us as human beings, which, you know, we are the force of change. Um, it is in our power. Um, so remind me, because I, I think you might Yeah, this is the Stockdale that. paradox that Ian spoke about, I think you mean. Is that right? The, uh, That's right. As everybody knows, you know, the guy that was born in 1923 in Abingdon, Illinois, in the US, died 2005, July, um, but fought in the Vietnam War. So a very, very decorated vice admiral, an aviator. Um, but his quote around the Stockdale paradox and what Ian was referring to, Shane, was, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Now, I think that was, uh, you know, as a prisoner of war, that was where that originally came from, uh, which, of course, thankfully, is not quite as harsh an environment that we've just been through. But it's a really interesting, it links back actually to, to what Lawrence's quote said and what they've all said. There's a common thread, isn't there, Shane, coming through? 
Very much so. It's this, this is our ability, you know, to get through a very tough time. And so mm. one of the, the next questions we actually asked all of our guests. Um, yeah, this is where we bring it down a bit, isn't it, Shane? It is. We, <laughs> we get a bit more real now. Is sort of huh? as well as what people have learned is we've all had some highs and lows mm. last year. Um, hopefully, you know, this year there's going to be more better moments. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we have to be we have to be honest. We don't know what's coming. I think that's biggest learning for all of us. As we've talked about before, 2020 wasn't just a unique year, it was the start of a decade. So let's hope that uh, history and patterns don't quite repeat on that same basis. Yeah, so we're talking worst moments personally and professionally, Shane. Who have we got? Who's uh, who's who are we going to share with first? Who have we got? We've got again Lawrence um, mm. Mitchell sharing with us a really personal insight, and I think this was true for, for many of us. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His personal feeling very much of the fear of lockdown, the thought of lockdown was worse than the actual lockdown experience. You know, that that unknown, the fear of the unknown. And um, he says, I didn't like the idea of not being able to leave the country, let mm. alone leave the house. Freedom is one of my highest values. Mm. Yeah, I think we can all relate to that, can't we, for sure. And it's funny, actually, I would say for me, on a professional level, I mean, it's been a really, 2020 was a really difficult, stressful year, but I have to say I came off quite lightly in terms of we were busy with work, um, not just the podcast, but, you know, uh, things actually pay bills, Shane, as well, and and learn lots. But I only realised this only a couple of weeks ago, just a week leading up to Christmas, um, I had to go out to a meeting. And bear in mind, I hadn't, I haven't, 2020, I didn't get on a train uh, from about mid March onwards. I haven't been into London the whole of that year since that date. And that was a real change for me to to Lawrence's point of freedom is the freedom you realise you've got and the freedom you realised afterwards you've lost. And what I really felt quite down about actually was driving um, from home Bedfordshire down to a meeting. And I just missed being out. Not so much driving. I don't mind driving. But the idea that, wow, this is a massive part of my life that's gone in the last seven months. Um, and of course, as, as you have and as many of people listening in, is international travel with work's always been a big part of my life. You know, forget that. This is just the, the act of getting on a train or traveling an hour around the motorways to go and meet other people is, has been a real loss for me. It's been, uh, in retrospect, quite a sad thing. Goodness, I feel quite isolated more than I'd, I'd perhaps realized at the time. I think that that challenge, as you say, of that geographic restraint and I know you love travel and I know you've been mm. to amazing places in the world um hit all of us for me particularly personally I'm sorry and I, Shane by the way I wasn't going to High Wycombe on that particular trip which <laughs> is not on our list of amazing but functionally brilliant functionally perfect. but the strategic plan for this year and this is where you know um it shows you the value of having a strategic plan not was that I was supposed to be traveling around the world this year doing masterclasses starting in China in February um, which I think I alluded to in series one and and clearly needed to have something else to um, take my mind off that and the podcast came along just picking up on your fact that um, you mentioned that you know you need to do something else apart from the podcast to pay the bills I'm really disappointed because I thought, you know, now with um, the Prince Harry and Meghan Spotify deal, Steve, you were going to be announcing that we had to similarly sign something that was going to be as um, rewarding. Well, I thought you were going to say that uh, we. this is when we tell people we've actually left the royal family of B2B marketing. 
uh, and we go off on our own, Shane. No, I, I will leave it to them. I just don't, the adoration is enough, Shane, from the from the hundreds and hundreds of people that listen to us every episode, rather than having to go into hiding. Although the idea of living out of Canada is absolutely fine with me if we can get on plane. So no, we've got a way to go. Maybe series three, we'll 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 make that announcement to the world. We shall see. Um, so we've got we've got Lawrence. We've got some thoughts from me. What, who else have we got, Shane? That we we've managed to gather, gather some thoughts on that that tough that worst moment. Well, technology played large in all our lives. I mean, you mentioned at the beginning, you know, the, the the Zoom world that we've inhabited. But of course, when you're in your Zoom world, you are very reliant on power and on broadband. And for many of our guests, this was a theme that came out. I mean, oh, my goodness, poor Scott. His worst nightmare happened. Total power failure four minutes before the delivery of the keynote to the IDM graduation and how he pulled it off I don't know because well, you were I, there I, can too, I, you? I can still see the white of Scott's eyes because yeah I was comparing that and Scott was our brilliant keynote brilliant before and brilliant afterwards because yeah it literally was a couple of minutes and Scott being Scott had been incredibly diligent in preparing uh, we'd done dress rehearsals beforehand the week before leading up to it and then yes power failure week minutes in but he found a way he pivoted Shane as remember we used to all talk about pivoting in 2020 uh, and managed to use mobile and and the best bit of that is you genuinely would have not known if you weren't uh, me Scott and a few other people and perhaps who Scott lives with who may well have got the other end of it uh, and the electricity and, and power people near him you wouldn't have known he, he just was excellent the, the, the keynote in isolation was fabulous uh, and he dealt with it quite superbly such really, a professional. Really I mean, chatting actually, he and I were chatting last night, and and the, the it was even more amazing when it turns out that he was holding up his phone in order to get a signal to hotspot with the la laptop battery sort of on not quite its last legs um, in the corner of the room, which was the only place that could get the signal. Amazing, because he just comes across so brilliantly. And I, I think that's it. It's just people have been in adversity sort of showing their their true side and some people have just aced it and Scott's one of them absolutely yeah although I might you know Scott may I may raise Scott and offer you Sam so Sam Hill of course Shane as you remember I mean it told us what is his worst move moving home to rural Sussex and starting a new life with family not that bit but the fact that the move to that part of the world necessitated 21 hours just take that in for a sec 21 hours of calling to a very well-known ISP to make sure that he could get his broadband services activated. Now that, if that isn't the lowest of the lowest levels of Maslow's hierarchy of needs right there, Shane, I don't know what it is, that the pain of not having internet. I felt this actually, I had, we had 10 days of no broadband in 2020, which was terribly disabling um, and probably would directly affect YouTube's revenues uh, for my daughter not being able to consume YouTube for 10 days. But I know poor Sam had such pain when we spoke to him and it was coming out of that from a point of view of, of tech fail that wasn't his fault. Again, a bit like Scott. Absolutely. And, you know, however well prepared you are on your backup plans, they don't mm. account for that. I have to say I should do a great shout out to um, our neighbours who are very kindly. We all now know how to look into each other's broadband because if one provider goes down, um, literally in my case, three minutes before moderating a conference, I was able to get on, not through hacking, but completely by consent yes, um, to the neighbours broadband, which was 
Such how, how a life the world has changed, Shane. It used to be not so many years ago that people would name their uh, their Wi-Fi accesses passive aggressively for people that might try and borrow their internet. But of course, now we've moved to a whole completely uh, loving, almost late sixties environment of free love and, and free broadband for all. Uh, at least if you live in a neighbourhood where it's on offer. Yes, nice. Okay, who else have we got from a point of view of of, of worsts? Well, worst, I think, and I think this sort of picks up the theme of, of, of what I found stressful is that it's uncertainty. I've realised mm. I like to plan. Um, mm. And Ian Hughes sort of said, you know, it's that unrelenting uncertainty, particularly when you're running a business. And I think that's the companies I work with as a, as a non-exec, you know, the fast growth small businesses where cash flow is king, you know, just trying to predict pipeline last mm. year impossible absolutely impossible and really hard decisions have to be made so i think for all of us that uncertainty of being able to know you were making the right decision i mean what about you steve because you know obviously with junction agency when did that sort of uncertainty hit you um so i think it's interesting actually we were talking about it just a couple of weeks ago pre-christmas is a bit of a We made it. okay. And I remember sitting there in March with the rest of the team saying, guys, I just don't know what this is going to mean. Uh, We've always prided ourselves at Junction on not working to retainers. And and as you'll know, Shane, I've spoken to you about this before. I worked client side and I was never convinced by retainers building or breeding the right kind of relationship. So uh, from an agency point of view, you want them because it gives you the certainty of billings. Um, but we've always said, no, that's just not the way we work. The downside is it's always been a bit more project based. You don't quite know. So we went from, yeah, we probably know six months out how we're looking at best to my goodness back in March. Um, I've no idea. And, and just listening to you then, Shane, actually just it, it's just come straight back into my head, that conversation and linked to that with the cash flow was we've we work with quite a few technology companies who for reasons we don't need to debate, will always pay suppliers like us on 60 days, regardless of what terms we may want. Uh, and I think that was, you know, that move was, are we going to get crunched here from a cash flow point of view? And by no, um, nothing we've done, as many unfortunately organisations found in 2020, they just disappear because cash flow is king in those smaller businesses. Um, but it actually led into a positive is that quite a number of those tech companies changed their policies um, to support they recognize that actually they've got a responsibility and, and it's in vital they don't want to kill their ecosystem by their agencies and support disappearing that those 60 days unofficially became more like 15 days um, so that was a, a big uh, blessing for, for for us and for I'm sure an awful lot of other organizations um, the uncertainty I'm sure it changes something as we've already said people are fearful of Shame, but I think it's again turn a negative into a positive. Is okay. We don't quite know what it's going to look like, but my goodness, we can go for it. There is, harking back to Lawrence's quote again, brilliance to be found if we keep calm and carry on. To use a a, a much used nineteen forties quote. I think that's really heartening that you you mentioned about that corporate responsibility if you like Mm. to the wider ecosystem and I think I really hope that continues Um, whether it will or not we'll we'll see but I think that organizations are starting to think differently and we've touched not all of them though Shane I I, I don't uh, you know I would say it's quite binary there were some that did and there really were some that didn't and and I think actually will it change 
honestly, I'm not sure. I think we've had a stretch of the elastic band that will come back. However, for, for, for organizations in that ecosystem, in that supply chain, there will be an element, as we've talked about on, on podcasts previously last year, of picking your clients, of saying, well, hold on a minute, your values and your principles don't add up with ours. We don't want to be treated like that. And therefore, we're not going to work with you. And I think the power might shift because of that. And organizations that were bigger, and as we know for many, many years, if, well, I'm bigger than you, I can make the rules, may well find, as I said, some of them have gone on the journey, but some may be forced to think more responsibly and more uh, wider in terms of that ecosystem that they don't just support, but they need as well. That's the really important bit that's come across from, from that change of last year. I think you've picked up something there that I think is perhaps the biggest shift more than maybe even technology there's a societal shift which choice becomes perhaps the biggest thing we value and what I mean by that is just that point you've picked up we choose who to do business with if we're lucky enough to be in that position but if you're an employee you choose who to work for mm. and I think this is really starting to come through the way that organisations have treated their staff or not, as you said, because not everybody has done brilliantly. There have been some appalling stories out there. Um, but actually, I think the difference is that people will prioritise their work-life balance very differently going forwards or their the companies they choose to buy from are be is becoming more and more important because of the way that they perhaps give back. It's going to be very interesting as we move forward, seeing what happens around some of the corporate tax regimes. But I, I actually think this is the biggest change we will potentially see in the next decade is that society will make, and individuals in that society will make choices that are important to them. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a really good point. In fact, even I'll give you an example of a slightly lateral one of that. I, as, as you know, I sit on the board of um, Table Tennis England, so a sports governing body for table tennis. And we had this very discussion, um, should have been later this month, late January should be the national championships, uh, which are televised, but rely mostly on people, bums on seats, going to it because of the size and the type of the sport. Unfortunately, the championships still can't happen this year. But there is not We've evolved conversations in that organization from, well, how do we adapt for the environment? How do we make things virtual? And then how do we move back to now kind of transcending that of, hold on a minute, the national championships, which are normally held in Nottingham, is geographically limiting for a lot of the country, like any location would be. And now there's actually this pressing need to say, well, we will need and want to create an environment where physical and virtual spectators can engage with the sport. So rather than it being a a plan B, it becomes, becomes plan 1A, if you will, which is you've got a great opportunity to bring together and make it a bigger spectacle. And that's not just about that championship in that sport. I think that thread can run through a lot of things is people say, well, hold on, I live in Cornwall. I'd never been able to go to this, but now, and it maybe takes us back to the Amazon effect, Shane, is that the, the Zoom effect, if you will, is that, well, Last year, I could go and get an experience from you. So why would you turn it off in 2021 and beyond? I think the, the, the rubber has stretched or the muscle has stretched into a new shape. That means, yeah, whatever aspect you look at, people now expect things in a different way. 
it's very exciting. I mean, I oh, think personally, I, I agree with you. And I think that's so brilliant you're thinking in that way, because as you know, I do lots in the event world. And I am I am passionate about hybrid events being the future because um, it's about, as you say, it's about inclusivity. You can have people attend who would have never been able to get there um, or physically attend, maybe because of cost or because of physical distance or for other reasons. So really exciting that this is a way forward so that we can all enjoy things that perhaps just weren't accessible to us. So well, I think even philosophically, Shane, the idea in in a world where, as we as been well documented over the last few years, the world has become much more fractured, much more political. There's been much more division. What's really heartening to what you've just said is that the world becomes smaller again. That uh, I remember last year um, working on one of B two B marketing's events and and um, hosting a stream. And there was a bit of downtime and just using the virtual platform in the chat box of basically saying, well, where's everyone from? Now, that event normally would attract, I don't know, 80, 90 percent UK people and a few overseas. But the chat box was filled instantly with people. I remember distinctly the first three people. One was from Nepal, one was from Brazil and one was from Switzerland. Um, this world of B2B marketing, in that case, has suddenly become bigger, yet smaller, that we can connect. We've got an opportunity through work to learn from people that if it was a traditional means of traveling to an event, it just never would happen either way around. It, I think it is really heartening as well as really exciting. So some of those who, who know me, who are listening to this, know that, that I'm a geographer by background and I, I'm fascinated by all of this. And it was actually something that was predicted back in 1997 by um, a person called Francis um, Khan Cross with The Death of Distance, really interesting book, 1997, about our shrinking world. Um, and I think that it's now truly delivered on that. And reading, she used to write for The Economist, and um, one of the things that, that is really interesting is just the change of where people are choosing to live. We're seeing it in, in mm. the US. People are choosing to leave the the golden state, leave California because of all sorts of reasons, real estate prices, forest fires, and because they don't have to be there anymore. They don't have to be based um, in Silicon Valley. And I think this, again, back to personal choices, is something one of our other guests touched on. So Sam Hill, he talked about earlier the problems with technology having moved, but one of his highlights of the year was moving home to rural Sussex to start a new life um, with his family in this mm. really, he's posted a fantastic picture, which we'll share on our, our LinkedIn, of a very happy, um, lovely environment to be based in. Yes, indeed. I'm also jealous of him because he had the great foresight to marry somebody with the same name as him. So Sam and Samantha. You can't get it wrong. If you get checks from great Auntie Deirdre and you're not you're going to argue over who they are, it, does, it can't be wrong. So, yes, Sam, Sam and Lottie living the rural dream and with broadband that hopefully, or as we learned when we spoke to him, is just about reliable enough, Shane. So he's got that balance. I think that's been one of the, the positives for me, actually, as well, is having a chance to spend more time, not at home, although I've done that. And, and I've always certainly for the last four or five years had a balance of, of home, office and about. The ratios changed, but I've never had the ability to be at home with with my wife and daughter um, 
in the same way so that the rhythm of the day for example and it feels like eons ago shane but believe it or not um we used to punctuate molly and i our working days hers downstairs in the dining room me up here in this office uh, with trampoline we've got a trampoline in the garden uh, she could never get me on it because well <laughs> i'm not built for trampolines but <laughs> it was a sunny if you remember 2020 april may was particularly sunny and warm we would take morning breaks we would take lunchtime trampoline breaks that neither of us would typically get monday to friday uh, but we both got a lot out of probably probably more me than her to be honest even it was fabulous and and if anyone ever wants to see my my seat drop i'm very welcome to uh, well i do hope you're going to, to drop it. around literally well i, I don't know about I, that I, I really you know i feel that there's a video moment that ought to accompany this um, um <laughs> podcast i think if you if you're familiar with the acronym nfsw not safe for work i think that's probably where we are with me uh doing too many seat drops but it's back to sam's point of that that nice change the ability to get that life balance uh for certain has been a real positive of 2020 for me how about you that's very true actually you mentioned about the table tennis because um we we're lucky enough to have a table tennis table at home um but finally i have learned to serve properly um because i actually had the time to review the video and i now know that i am supposed to have the the ball on a flat palm and that it has to (laughs) so a new skill you know who knew and that was just born out of the frustration not being able to play proper tennis but it's something that other guests like lawrence touch on as well you know the reconnecting with other things and he he says you know i've enjoyed leading a much simpler life giving time to learn and do things like setting up a hydroponic system for growing plants that sounds fantastic it does and i'm now very jealous because lawrence is based in australia exploring the local beaches um which is really just like that i have missed i must admit i love the coast um but i have discovered new yeah, not many beaches books. for us shane in bedfordshire are there that's <laughs> too fair you can go off somebody with his beaches everywhere poor lawrence indeed but for me it was wild swimming so you know that that yes, was mine yes indeed uh, as you say there's lovely there's lovely hot months uh discovered well i've always loved doing it but i've discovered some some new river spots around here um and and you start to talk to people and realize there's quite a few of you that enjoy doing that as well yeah yeah indeed you, you meet new people absolutely it's uh it's funny enough actually somebody we both know that uh runs an agency that was considering uh, a merger and acquisition um, by complete chance walking his dogs fat, ran into somebody walking other dogs had a chat and realized they had a mutual friend who was the person that was interested in that purchase that I'm sure had a big effect on building that business relationship by just being out in the countryside and meeting by chance other people that could endorse the, the third party that person who was interested in the acquisition really interesting how these things happen yeah chance um that's that's very true and i think that's for me one of the hardest things has been perhaps not being able to interact and have as many face-to-face meetings um and how much i realize that both the business community is really important from a work point of view but they just we're so lucky there's just such a great bunch of people that i miss um the chance to socialize with Mm, yes indeed well look, that brings us back to a positive guess maybe scott stockwell because there's two sides to, to we talk, heard about scott's negative shame uh, around his tech fail but what was scott's highlight a positive for him the same evening i think it was the same evening yes absolutely he said the absolute best was being asked to deliver the keynote for the idm graduation 
and using an ASMR toast. Now, I'm going to get you to explain what That's, that is. Well, autonomous sensory meridian response. You uh, see, I which... knew I wouldn't get that out. <laughs> That's, by the way, dear listener, that's our 15th take of that particular part. Uh, yeah, so ASMR and, and having been there, Shane, is that and, and what's so it's a really and you'll know this from your days with the IDM as well. Graduation is always a brilliant, positive thing, but it's never been virtual before. Um, the event and I hope I'm not biased, but having been there and involved in it, it was an incredibly positive um, alternative rather than a, a supplement for it or a replacement it was it didn't let down it was brilliant but part of that was scott and his keynote and an asmr he used a great example of it and, and if you're not familiar with it go and google it in terms of what it means because what he was demonstrating is um how you can record and and how asmr affects your sensory feelings so emotions and using that as a medium um for marketing so he wasn't ad advocating it but he was saying well look this is another opportunity this is a different way and as we sit here recording and you sit here listening to this podcast you know what about audio what are the opportunities to get some kind of sensory response some emotional reaction to people using a medium like this so he was trying to you know cut a new edge to things as well as delivering a really heartfelt and inspiring keynote as well so i can absolutely uh, second why that would be an incredibly positive moment from from 2020 for sure so do you think then in terms of engaging the senses, looking forward to our, our new technical developments that smelly vision will, will come well, soon? I hope so. I still, and as a child that grew up with Willy, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I still dream for the day that I can scratch or I can lick a wallpaper and get a snozberry. So, yeah, maybe it will, Shane. I think. Oh, but that's it, here and now. Have you not had your direct mail pack with the, the you can scratch and taste the chocolate here? Oh, indeed. My daughter had some very uh, stickers. The questionable smell of some of them. They all seem to merge into one in the end. But yes, the idea that I think it leads us on almost to, to developments. The future is this this hybrid of the, the physical and digital world. For me, certainly feels like it's going to be a prediction of of what's coming in the next year and indeed decade. Which brings us on to the last question that we asked Indeed. Um, our guests, which was very much the prediction for the remainder of the decade. Or we also asked about New Year's resolutions, but we'll perhaps come back to that. So, so your prediction, Steve, as you're saying, more change to come. What else? Oh, yeah, so I think there'll be a hybrid, Jane. I think we're, we're finding that, um, as I've talked about already, I think we, we had, and it feels a little bit like, um, I once did a skydive and you hit, you jump out of a plane with a parachute on your, in fact, not even a parachute on your back, with a parachute on the instructor's back. You don't have the luxury of a parachute if you're just tandem. Uh, but you hit terminal velocity, so incredibly fast. And then the jolt as the parachute opens and then the relative tranquility. And it's incredibly tranquil. If you've never done a skydive, anybody listening in, it's, it's the moment the chute opens. that It feels very relaxed. And again, back to Lawrence's point. But I think what we've gone is it's incredibly fast a jolt of change and and now for me i think we'll, we'll find that we, we spring back to the middle somewhere to a comfortable middle and i think that might mean for technology and human that we'll find even more symbiosis between how we engage with technology for events for communication all sorts of aspects of life even if i will you know the sales process Salespeople went from hurtling around the country or the world on planes on trains or in voxel vectors or whatever they're in going around and then suddenly were locked up and they've had to embrace that. I think we'll find a hybrid, an equilibrium of of the two in lots of different parts of life over the coming weeks and months and years, rather than it just being 
at the same pace of headlong direction towards digital? I don't agree. Okay, interesting. Good. So, so no more voxel vectors, is that what you're saying? <laughs> <Get that>. Yeah. <laughs> another, another another reference for the younger listener there, Shane. Yes, yeah. go on then. What where are we going? Are we all gonna become well, Android? Where, I, I, I don't think we are necessarily going to find that equilibrium, actually. I, I think okay. we're going to be out of kilter for for the next decade, actually. I, I think because it's going to be a decade of change and actually often we as humans find change hard to cope with Very much um so. and that's why i think we might we might not get that nice balance quite that quickly so in fact it's something ian hughes picked up he he predicting you know it's going to be the decade of change exponential change and a re-evaluation of priorities um lawrence also said you know we've got to remember it takes 24 days to take to form a new habit 66 days for that habit to become established and 254 days for that habit to be fully formed mm. so you know that's something that's sort of building on that with that in mind he says whatever happens in 2021 we're not going backwards um but he does agree with you he agrees that the future of work will be a hybrid experience with the individual deciding where and when to work I've, I've, I mean, forget the beach comment from earlier. I'm big, big fan of Lawrence again now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the 254 days, if you look back to 2020, we had enough days for that, as you say, to become muscle memory fully formed. It will be really interesting to see, even now, as we, we go into the new year, what the change will be in 254 days, rough maths. You know, what's that down in kind of autumn of this year? Will there be new reactions to 2020 that become the new norm and will actually that phrase change just be one we kick around all of the time because to your point and to Ian's point we may not be constantly going at the pace we are but so we're not hitting terminal velocity all of the time but we are continuing to go somewhere at quite a pace even if it doesn't feel like it which to my analogy with free falling is once the parachute goes you're still dropping at quite a pace it just doesn't feel like the pace you were previously dropping or moving at. Yeah, I think that analogy to the parachute is a good one. I think a lot of people, who knows what we're, we've got this year um, and what's coming again, I think that uncertainty is the unbalancing bit. It's the, um, you know, again, it's, it is the fear of the unknown. There's a lot of hope, obviously, but I think this comes back to the point that we touched on earlier. And again, something Lawrence picked up, that this need for leaders, you know, whether it's leader of a company, leader of a country, need to become and will increasingly become more compassionate and become masters at balancing the needs of business with the needs of individuals. I think that's really hopeful, that quote. Mm. I hope it's the case. But the bit I'm really concerned about, he goes on to say, is about ensuring that well-being remains a strategic priority. I really hope it does. Yeah, well, I wonder whether that's back to your point again, is that um, so 254 days to form a habit is and your point of people, whether they're employee, suppliers, partners, uh, recognizing that actually I want to I want to work with, work for, do things with people or organizations that share my values. And, and that power shift may happen that it's not just work for the biggest because they're the best as you get a, a different dynamic. And, and maybe even sharing that plays out in if we look at the biggest by um, by market capitalization of organizations in five, 10 years time, will be will they be the same ones as today? I think it could be really interesting to see where that, that direction of travel goes. 
Yeah, and I'm I, picking up on that point. I think, you know, we mustn't forget it's not just about the technology, but the great podcast that the Herman did about the value of data. Actually, the next decade. There is two, episode 10, Herman Shane. Yes, absolutely. Indeed. About the companies that are going to be valued the most, I absolutely think that Herman is a visionary and it's going to be the ones that really understand the value of all their data. Um, and that use strategically of data is is going to be so important because we've got big, you know, big challenges coming up, whether it's with, with AI and the sort of data that's collected there and the decision-making process. So I love data. It, you know, looks like the next decade might be keeping me very busy, but we've, we've got some really interesting things in the way that we can be more sophisticated, but lots of things we're going to have to learn as well. Mm. Oh, I think there's an interesting one around technology always of the the appropriateness and that balance. I, I was reading something actually in Wired magazine only a couple of weeks ago about AI and, and religion, which I'd not even considered, is the the opportunity, perhaps the danger, the fundamental danger to, to religious scholars around AI's ability to to consume, to process, to study study transcripts and to put an output which could support and really help religious beliefs, but it could also erode them further as well. There's a whole spectrum of, of issues with such technologies, what it will mean for us as a race and on our beliefs and our values on all sorts of areas. Yeah, there's lots to think about, certainly. Um, and I think, you know, Scott touches on more technology coming. And I think, you know, his top ones, as well as AR, is going to be um, an AI. XR, extended mm. reality, and that's sort of touching on that point you made there is that you know, where you get that blending of, of trying to work out of new ways of looking at things can work in a positive way or also in a negative way. And once you get into extended reality, not quite sure whether this is extended reality, but one of my favorite moments of some of the stuff you posted was your your deep fake video from last year. Yes, Steve. indeed. Yes, me dressed as, uh, sorry, me, my face wed to the front of the the lead singer of the Rolling Stones to uh, to the action hero within Die Hard and other places. Yeah, I mean that that is fascinating, Shane, and terrifying equal measure. That honestly was a free app that took me probably less than about two or three minutes to to master and to drop my face fairly convincingly. I would say, uh, not necessarily as a great singer or a great actor, but from a point of view of in there, and you think, my goodness, what will the pace of change be for that kind of technology? And what are the positives? So I thought, as you, as you may rem remember, the, the ability for hyper-personalization using that technology is incredible for marketers. Goodbye stock photography and dull stuff like that. Hello opportunity to put context. But equally with that comes the risk of the abuse. And my goodness, what may happen from corporate and personal lawsuits and disruption when people misuse this technology, which we always we always live on that edge of the of the sword, don't we? We do indeed. But I think in terms of near time tip, if you like, is for this year, it to me is going to be the year of the personal sales video, whether it's using Bidyard or Loom. We're going to see this on LinkedIn a lot more. Um, and I agree with you, you know, used well can be a really personal, useful tool. Um, but used badly or inappropriately, oh my goodness, it's going to be horrific. Yeah, indeed. Very interesting. And interesting, isn't it? You think the, 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 the ecosystem that may breed in terms of um, makeup and script writing and lighting and all those things that, you know, normally that the, the 
the, the domain of the, of the Hollywood movie or the TV production studios that actually you'll start to think about that more. We've gone beyond the what does your Zoom and your Teams background look like to how well made up are you? How do you lighting for that personalized video? Um, well, I, none of those are barriers. They're all opportunities, but they're logical progressions of that use and that cultural change. I've already been told by um, many experts, but including my um, wonderful daughter, that, you know, the time to leave my headset and what do we call it, the air traffic controller yeah. Lego look um, <laughs> um, has gone. You know, it was all right for the first six months of 2020, but come on, mum, you know, when are you going to upgrade to the professional studio look that you should be having? And she's absolutely right. And you've just mentioned that. I think actually we're all going to need to be producers. Mm. Yeah, even on a small level, Shane, part of what I did over Christmas was decorated my home office because it's always been the room that the least people in the world ever come into, or indeed that come into my house, uh, to the most popular room in my house. So I thought, well, it needs a bit of a spit and a polish, some new artwork going up on the walls, all that sort of stuff, because that's actually what my, that's my world. That's the window into Steve that uh, never was there before. So it, it all makes perfect sense. So along so, with that, what about yes. some New Year's resolutions? You sounds as though you, you've you've got on with one of them, which is yeah, um, recognition of of give the the, the, the background a polish. Uh, <laughs> need to probably work on the foreground or me, but uh, and to that point, actually, Shane, I think it's something that I knew prior to twenty twenty and was pretty good at, but lost sight of is that that was we've talked about already that balance um, is finding the the new rhythm. Or pace of the day so not being afraid that actually my commute's gone so if I start work early it's okay to finish earlier or historically so many people are used to lunchtime being the time where you may take the longest break of the day but why should you and for me that that means in the coming weeks as I started to do actually as a foray into return to, to golf in the summer is for running, which is something I'm passionate about is to get back into that and to say well okay I'll just manage my day that if I go for a run at 10 o'clock in the morning without guilt it's fine I can still work it's that it's the new balance of, of what the working day will look like I think is is one of my resolutions for sure how about yourself I think for me uh, that's part of it absolutely is and really important to take those breaks but that importance and you touched on it earlier of being outside for me you know being in your natural environment the garden's been so important this year um just a wonderful haven and it's lots of people the same but just being outside really appreciating a wonderful countryside that we've got near us um enjoying that but the other theme for me and i mentioned it earlier is is about all about people and mm -hmm. that's something in terms not new year's resolution necessarily but it's something that both sam scott lawrence ian all say is really important is treasuring um people and i think it's really interesting lawrence says you know making sure my new year's resolution is to focus energies on helping as many people as i can and i think that that helping people and it's something i found throughout my career actually really rewarding and some of the most rewarding things i've done is some of the voluntary stuff um where you just get so much back and i think lots of people have found that um, more recently as well also something that Sam says, you know, news resolution, cherish all real world moments with family, friends and colleagues uh, once the pandemic you know, retreats. Mm -hmm. um, 
and Ian as well, you know, the team and empowering the team and allowing those around you to flourish. Uh, so that's really nice that people people are foremost in everybody's thoughts. Yeah, particularly Sam's one about that real world moments as well. I, it harks back to actually, it's just coming to my head of a memory from Cambodia in 2006, Shane, believe it or not, Angkor Wat, um, you know, an iconic place to go. You know, Yesco World Heritage, list of places you must see before you die type territory. And and, and all of us get falling into the trap, um, many, many, many of us at sunrise with our cameras of all sorts of different flavours set up. And a French guy who was with us across dozens of people just absolutely berating the look with your eyes, not with your lens. You know, the, the idea that at the time we just looked at well, what, are you, what are you saying? We must take a picture of this is absolutely to what Sam's saying is just don't live through the technology, through the lens all the time. Be there, be present in the real world. And I, I think it, it's, a, it's 14 years, 15 years to remember and to, to take that into places. Hold on. I don't need to be at a screen just because, to my point with punctuating your life because I always normally would be at this time I can go on that trampoline or I can go for a run or I can just see the world differently put the screen down and that's where I think Shane as, as you know better than most I'm a, I'm a real technophile is that I think there is a time to put the technology down and, and to be present as a human so that again that equilibrium that balance between human and tech rather than just a headlong rush or crash into the middle of it all in some kind of android-esque manner and I think that's the perfect moment to let all our listeners take their earphones out and go and reconnect with the real world and stop listening to yeah, our Very ramblings. much. Well, there we are. And indeed, but before we should probably do that, we should very quickly say two things. Firstly, thanks ever so much for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed this series. Huge thanks to not just... Uh, our guests have taken some time to give us some comments today, but all of them along the way. 24 episodes in. Who would have thought that, Shane, when we started this journey last year in March? Your bright idea in, in your drawing room to go, Steve, let's record something because we won't be able to see each other in the same way. Here we are, some 800, 900 hours, 24 episodes later. Uh, not bad, huh, Shane? Not bad. And just to thank you to everybody listening, because we really have appreciated the feedback and the comments and the thoughts that it's um, given us too. So it's helped me keep learning. Absolutely. Me too. And that would be one of my highlights is not just the chance to spend time with a dear friend like Shane, but for people to listen in and to learn from all the guests and all the people that have commented and indeed to try and work out how on earth you put a podcast together, which we're just about learning two dozen episodes in. So, Ad Shane, a massive thank you to you. Go well in 2021. To everybody else listening in, to all of our guests, we will see you, we hope, soon with Series 3. Uh, but we may well see you before that on LinkedIn at wwlpodcast.co.uk, where you can share your thoughts, your ideas, good or bad, for the year, the decade ahead. And whether you should hold the ball with a flat hand or not when it comes to table tennis. All sorts of pressing things. Thanks, everybody.